You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. We have some international news to share today. The Reverend Dr. Matthew Harrison, president of Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, in studio with us today. Pastor Harrison, thanks so much for being our guest on The Coffee Hour. Hey guys. Good to be here again. Welcome back. Recent international travels to to support our brothers and sisters, particularly a brother president or bishop in the Evangelical Lutheran Mission Diocese of Finland. That's right. So, and some interesting things going on for him and others in Finland right now as well. He was recently what installed as bishop of the the uh, Evangelical Lutheran Mission Diocese there. But prior to that, some interesting things going on for him. Can you share with us or describe the situation for him and another member of his church? Sure. You know, the Finnish state church or formerly state church or majority church was uh, quite quite uh, strongly Lutheran throughout much of its history. Of course, in the face of the uh, liberalism of the last 100 years theologically, plus 200 years really, but especially then with the onslaught of the political correct, politically correct movement, etc., that tendency toward Lutheranism has um, dim- diminished greatly. And so the state church is now sort of like the ELCA. It's pro, pro-homosexual marriage and kind of the whole nine yards. And Johanna Poyola, who is the new bishop, was a pastor. He had studied in Fort Wayne, did a master's degree on Hermann Zassa. I knew him. He attended my congregation when I was pastor at Fort Wayne and he was attending the seminary. He went back and through his preaching and pastoral care, congregation in the state church that he had grew tremendously, was probably one of, if not the largest worshiping assemblies of Lutherans on a Sunday morning in Finland. But because they refused the ordination of women and to receive communion from a female pastor or to allow the bishop to push that in the parish, they were, he was defrocked and his people followed him and they went out and formed an independent, what became a mission, they call it a mission diocese. It's been very difficult for the Scandinavians to actually come out from their state churches. It's a complex situation, but anyway, they eventually did. Several pastors were defrocked and the people uh, came and ended up forming a independent Lutheran church body, finally. And they have about 40 congregations and they're growing. I always ask him how he's doing and he's very humble, extremely humble, no grandstanding whatsoever. But he just says, well, the more they do, the more we grow. And um, the more persecution, the more we grow. They've got about 40 congregations. And what they do is they rent Seventh-day Adventist churches on Sunday, and they call, they call Seventh-day Adventists the useful heresy. I think on the QT, the Seventh-day Adventists call the Lutherans the same thing, but they rent these churches for uh, very inexpensively, and the, the number of Seventh-day Adventists is declining uh, in Finland, and they spend all their money on making sure you got a pastor. And the pastor then grows the congregation to 100, they split off, go 20 miles down the road, grow another one to 100, split off, go 20 miles, get a pastor, etc. And the Lord has blessed it remarkably. They're, they are vibrant. 
They are they have children running around everywhere. They they are tremendous. So the controversy that in, ensued was that in about 2004, uh, a woman who was a member of Parliament, Paivi Raisinen, who she's an Orthodox Lutheran, and she wrote a pamphlet on a Christian view of marriage and sex and sexuality. And there's nothing surprising in it, particularly for 2004. There's nothing different than what is in most of the Missouri Synod stuff. The Bible is very clear on homosexuality, and it's very clear on sexuality in general, sex in general. You know, it's not like homosexuality is the grossest and greatest sin in the world. We cannot say that at all. Any any sexual activity outside of a male-female married relationship is condemned on unequivocally in the New Testament, also by Jesus. And that condemnation also, Jesus says, whoever looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And that is a damning word for all of us, unless we're absolute liars or dead. And uh, so that pamphlet was published in 2004. And for some reason, the state, the Finnish prosecutor general, I guess, decided to press charges against the bishop for being head of the church that published the document and the author, Paivi Raisinen. And this is, we believe, an egregious violation of religion, freedom of religion, and free speech, which for which there are provisions in the, both in the legal documents of Finland and also of the European Union. So we have spoken up uh, boldly and said, no, this should not be. And there were about, uh, we gathered through the International Lutheran Council, about 50 church leaders around the world. And significantly, our friends in the Wisconsin Synod joined us in this, and the Little Norwegian Synod, formerly of the Synodical Conference, Mark Schrader, and the uh, leaders of several wells, about, about 10 wells congregation, wells church bodies around the world. So pretty significant. Tell us about the the contents of this the stand against what has been happening and your recent trip to Finland. What were you doing there, and and what is this that this stand that these church bodies are are taking against what these people in Finland are doing to this church body? Well, it's not about sort of the law. It's it's not about sanitizing the world from a aberrant behavior or something like that, or Christianizing societal laws. The issue that we pinpointed, which we believe is the main issue, is simply the freedom of the church to preach law and gospel, also with respect to marriage and sex. And that is our duty and responsibility for everybody. It's uncomfortable, of course, when the church, quoting the Bible, which we believe is our absolute authority, we don't have any choice in the matter, but to reject homosexual behavior. Nevertheless, we are compassionate. We, we know what it's like to be beset by difficulties in life. We, want, we know what it's like. Every one of us has our challenges and difficulties in every way, shape, and form, and our sins that beset us and, and we are challenged with. And, you know, we are a compassionate people. We believe in the human rights of all people. We believe that all people are 
created by God and valuable. For Pete's sake, it was the Nazis who denied the existence of a transcendent God and therefore believed that simply by the will to power, some races and individuals could be determined to be less valuable than others. That's not us. We believe in a transcendent God who becomes flesh in Christ because every one of us is loved. Every one of us is valuable. Every single person on the planet is worth the blood of Jesus Christ. So, despite the, uh, the media attacks and others who will caricature us in various ways, our protest to the Finnish government was about free speech and the issue of whether we may preach repentance and forgiveness or not. And no matter what any government says, we will do so. Now you mentioned Lutheran church bodies, representatives of Lutheran church bodies joining in this, in this protest with the letter. Um, were there other church bodies that started outside of Lutherans that, that have made note of this and, and starting to respond that you're aware of? There have been. You can go to the lcms.org and find the statement, or you can go to the ILC for the International Lutheran Council, search that, the statement's there, and we have a number of links at the end of the document where a number of other bodies and Christian organizations have also raised the red, raised the red flag and said no. Tell us about the recent installation of Bishop Johanna Poyola. Yeah, it was such a joyous event. I think... I showed a few pictures of it, and people kind of, a number of people over here kind of freak out at the vestments that these guys wear. You know, it's kind of funny. When I was installed 10 years ago, several of our partners who have what is called the historic, have an Episcopal form of governance that is somewhat more than we do. They call their leaders bishops, and they have miters, and they have, they have copes, and, you know, that's... They came to me 10 years ago and said, is it okay if we wear our hats? <laughs> and I said, you're very sensitive to us because they know that's, you know, if a Lutheran in America sees this, it's like, what? It's That's Roman Catholic. And that's understandable. But, you know, this has been their tradition. I said, sure, you can wear your hats. It's what, what you're comfortable with. It'd be who you are. We're not hat wearers. <laughs> you can wear hats. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to get a hat. I'm not, I don't need a miter, don't want a miter. But, you know, they've had this tradition of su- apostolic succession, they call it, that, that, you know, they trace the line all the way. And they know it's dicey to try to have the line all the way continue from the apostles. And it's uh, Herman Sasa writes very conclusively about this. The, the, the important thing in the Lutheran Church is the successio doctrinalis, the succession of doctrine. And they know that this line of succession, from they can trace it from Rome and a bishop about the 11th century into Scandinavia down to the present day. And that for them is an important tradition. It's a tradition, just like the dress is a tradition for them. Dr. Walther and company repeatedly stated that the form of church government is free. We have a more of a synodical form. And frankly, these churches, though they call their leaders bishops, they have a form of government that is really quite similar to ours, and there are all kind of uh, limitations upon the bishops. We have, the Missouri Synod is founded on Luther's view of church governance, and Luther just wrote in the preface to the Saxon Visitation Articles in 1528, that a bishop should be a visitor. And he said, you know, as we Lutherans believe, a bishop 
an episkopos, an overseer, as Paul says in First Peter, is a title for every pastor. Every pastor is a bishop of his congregation. What does it mean? It means to have oversight, doctrine, and life. And says Luther, in the early centuries, a number of pastors got together and also lay people and decided we need to have, choose one from among us to have as our leader to oversee us for unity for the sake of doctrine and life. And this was, as Luther says, not a divine mandate. It was a human ordinance for good governance. That's exactly what the Missouri Synod Constitution is. The church freely chooses leaders, circuit visitors, district presidents, vice presidents of the church, president of the synod. And that office exercises episcopae, the, the Greek word used in the New Testament for oversight, for bishop. So it's not our tradition. Their tradition is not ours, but we share the same wonderful confession of the faith. Thanks be to God for that. Uh, good to have you Sorry back. Sorry for the long answer. That, that was a great answer and very insightful. We really appreciate it. Always enjoy the opportunity to talk with you. Thanks for being on the Coffee Hour today and giving us a great update. Great. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Let's uh, do it again soon. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thank you.